All right, you guys ready for some Christmas stuff? Yeah. <laughs> a good word, a good word from the Lord. I want to go uh, to the book of Luke, chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Of course, if you know the, the Christmas account is in Matthew and Luke, they cover different aspects of it. And I want to grab some truths from the book of Luke today. Everybody ready for it? Yeah. Don't be extra quiet. This is like, this, thank you. See that? I don't know if he's just being rebellious or helping me. <laughs> uh, Luke chapter 1, I want to draw your attention to a few things from the the narrative here, verse 26, Luke 1, 26. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Anybody ever heard of Nazareth? All right. The only reason you've heard of Nazareth is because of Jesus. Do you know that? Because it wasn't like a big city or, you know, a big influential center of anything. It was a small town, 120, 150 people. Uh, kind of not in the middle of everything. In fact, later on when Jesus was revealed, uh, Nathaniel one day was talking about, about this in the book of John, and he was told about Jesus of Nazareth, and he responded in verse 40, John 1, 46, can anything good come out of Nazareth? <laughs> so it didn't exactly have a good reputation as being just a, you know, a fantastic city that a lot of good things came out of. Um, it was a city that was located about four miles from the capital of Galilee, a city of, named Sephorus, which for the time was pretty populated, had about 30,000 people, and there was a lot of development there. It's probably where Joseph did most of his work uh, because of the, the building uh, of that city. Um, but uh, this is where Gabriel came. It gives me hope for people who live in small towns. Uh, the Lord just doesn't come to the big cities. Right? If you live in the outskirts, you live in, you know, like, uh, I don't know, like Cuna or something. Uh, the Lord knows you. <laughs> he knows about your town and may do some awesome things there. Praise God. So let's go ahead and keep reading. Verse 27, the angel then came to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was... Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. So, highly favored lady here, Mary, pretty young actually, we'll get into that. But, young lady named Mary, highly favored of God, uh, uh, blessed among women. How many know not blessed above women? She's not the object of our worship, still needed a Savior. In fact, she herself said that she needed a Savior. And if you read the previous, uh, well, in this very same chapter, so she also needed a Savior, but she was highly favored. There's a reason for that. But uh, this is interesting when you think about Mary and some of the, uh, the things going on. This language of betrothed is similar to our language, language of engaged. A little bit different, times change, cultures change. When, when people in their day uh, became betrothed, it was actually a legal matter, okay? wasn't like today where someone could get engaged and then break it off. 
and then later get engaged to someone else and then break it off and then maybe later get married. Uh, Their engagements were actually legal. Someone became uh, betrothed and then wanted to break it off. They had to go to court. Okay. Now, it doesn't mean they were married. They weren't married. They didn't live together. There was no sexual relationship, but it was legal from this regard. Okay. It makes you, you know, going to be pretty serious before you pop the question. Right. This is a, this is a big deal to be betrothed. Now, Jewish girls were permitted to be uh, engaged like this as early as 12 and a half years old. Crazy, huh? That sounds crazy to me. <laughs> but that was their culture. And so she possibly could have been that young, could have been uh, 14 years old. Um, uh, this basically means that Jesus was born very likely. Again, we don't have scripture on this. This is external sources. But she could have been as young as 15 years old uh, being the mother of, of Jesus. And so uh, I was thinking about this relationship between Mary and Joseph, and I thought, if any couple got together and I thought, you know, this was a match made in heaven, as we say, or this was a relationship ordained of God, he certainly wanted them to be together, I would certainly point to that one because he's not going to pick a couple that's like bickering at each other, you know, where they don't really mesh, they don't really click very well, they're not very compatible. Uh, I don't think the Lord, I mean, God is going to pick a, a, a couple that is fighting, that, that that's going to be their future. I think this was ordained of God. I think they were supposed to marry each other. But what's interesting that is that even though this relationship was of God, they still went through the natural steps to make everything work the way it's supposed to. They still had that betrothal period. They still had that year-long engagement where they're not touching, right? They're not doing things, but they are getting ready to be married. Probably some wisdom for us today. Singles, if you want to get married, give it time. No, well, I prayed and the Lord showed me. He's the one. So we're getting married next week. Not recommended. Might want to follow Mary's, Mary's uh, steps here and, and, and some of her, her example. All right, let's go on and, and read verse uh, 29. <laughs> I know I gave them permission to like talk and stuff in the service. Kind of regretting it. All right. <laughs> It'll be okay though. Verse 29. But when she saw him, so Mary seeing the angel, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and, and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? How many think this is quite the prophecy? If you can, you can imagine it all, putting yourself in this young girl's uh, position and this angel showing up and all these things being said. And then the pronouncement of your kid being amazing. I mean, parents already think their kids are the best, right? <laughs> this is going a little bit over the top. <laughs> How are you going to tell your friends? 
my son, <laughs> not just going to be on the honor roll, <laughs> going to be on the throne <laughs> forever. <laughs> and don't let your kid mess with my kid because there could be consequences. <laughs> anyway, all these prophecies are coming forth. And look at Mary's response, okay? Again, verse 34, Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? I want you to notice what that didn't say. Mary did not say here, how can I know that this is true? How can I know that this will really happen? You see, there was another story that happened with her relative, Zacharias and Elizabeth, and it was six months prior, and they were also sent, uh, uh, an angel came and visited them and told them about their child that would come. And of course, it was also miraculous. And in that situation, it was just because they were old and barren, right? Not that it wasn't the Son of God being born, it was John the Baptist. But Zacharias' response was questioning that it could be, questioning the word. He, was, he said, how can I know this? And the angel was not happy with his response. And he said, you know, if you read it, he said, I came from the throne of God. You questioning me? That's my paraphrase. <laughs> what do you mean, how you know? Didn't you just hear me tell you this? See, what he did was question in a disrespectful, unbelieving way. And his response got a got the angel to close his mouth so he couldn't speak until the baby was born. In other words, God wasn't going to let him spew that unbelief and disrupt his plan. Okay? Mary's response was different. It was a bigger miracle. Okay? I mean, she's not old, but she's going to have, she's going to have be the first one to have a baby without a dude. Right? And that's what, she, that's what she said. How can this be? In other words, how can? What's going to be the method? How is this going to happen since... I haven't known a man. You know what that means, right? I haven't known. How is this going to happen? I thought that's the only way that this can happen. And that's logic. But it wasn't disrespect. It wasn't disbelief. She said, how is this going to happen? And, and I think that's a good pattern for us. When we have a promise from God, that seems impossible. When we have a word from God that he speaks to us concerning something, we say, what? Our response should not be, how can I know this? But it is acceptable to say, how can this be? In other words, how, what's the manner in which this is going to happen, even though I know for certain because you said it in your word, it's going to happen. Everybody with me? The proper response to God's word is, yes, amen. Yes, it shall be so. How? How is that going to happen? That's okay to ask that. Okay, again, that, that, that's what Mary did. Um, Verse 35, and the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. So that's, that's the how. The Spirit of God's going to come upon you. All right? And that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren, for with God, nothing will be impossible. All right, now put these things together. See what's happening? Mary gets this miraculous, outstanding promise. She says, how? He says, like this. Spirit of God's going to come upon you. 
And, by the way, your relative, Elizabeth, she's prego. <laughs> you know your relative, you know Elizabeth? Old and barren? She's pregnant right now. Why did the angel tell her that? How many know the testimony of what God does for one will stir, inspire, and strengthen the faith of another? This is a pattern, and God used an angel to do this. I think we should follow that same pattern. You have any miraculous promises from God? I guarantee you, you do. If you look them up in the book, they're there. And they're not going to come to pass in your life unless you believe them. And what's the biblical pattern? Well, believe it, take it, accept it. But then listen to others who also have a, have a miracle. Find out someone else who's been healed. Someone else who God came through for. And if you have a story, come on. It's time to tell the truth and shame the devil. Yeah. Come on. It's time to tell your testimony. It's time to share what, what victories you've experienced. What prayers have been answered. What trials you've overcome. Because when you share your story, it'll inspire, encourage, and help somebody else to overcome in their situation. Verse 38, then Mary said... Behold, the maids, so she, remember she got the promise, she got the word, then she got the testimony of Elizabeth. Behold, the maid servant of the Lord. In other words, I'm a woman here to serve you. I'm here to do your will. I'm here to serve. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel left. The angel departed from her. Why, why did he depart? His job's done now. Why? Because she received the word. Amen. He didn't have to do anything else. Now it's time to go, because Mary said, let it be to me according to your word. Isn't that an impressive response, by the way? That's impressive. That might be one of the reasons that God chose her. Because she was trained, she was conditioned from childhood to respond positively to the, to the Lord. If God speaks, if there's a word from heaven, you say, yes, sir. You say, be it unto me according to your word. Yeah. I see this. I mean, again, she's a young teenage girl and brilliant with that response to God. Reminds me of someone else. Oh, yeah, her son. When Jesus was 12. 12. And he's in the temple having deep discussions with the, the, the leaders of the day, the religious leaders and the scholars. And Jesus at 12 staying overtime in church. Can I give an encouragement? If you're 12 or eight, or 13, or 16, or don't wait till you're, you're fully grown before you take the things of God seriously. Don't think, well, this is for my parents, this is for adults, I'm just a kid here to have fun. Jesus had fun, Mary had fun, and they also had a proper response and deep and personal relationship with God. When you do that, you set yourself up to be highly favored like Mary was. No, her task isn't going to be your task. That's a one, one and one and done, one and only. But I tell you, God is still looking for people to use. Who are the ones he's going to use? He'll call upon those who will say, be it unto me according to your word. I'm here to serve you. Amen. Amen. So this is a biblical pattern we can all follow. And, uh, and we don't have to, for, for young pe people, teenagers, you don't have to wait till you're older. Uh, it's true for you and me today that we need to respond in this same manner. Uh, verse 1 then of chapter 2. Remember chapters were added later. Same story. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius, 
something, was governing uh, Syria. So all uh, went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. So it tells us why they're going there. Okay, that's where his ancestors were from. That's why they were uh, uh, traveling to Bethlehem at this time. It's because of, you know, they have government problems just like we do calling for dumb things, right? <laughs> Don't mean to be distracted by that, but, you know, they had to, they had to do this and go to their own city. But, uh, but uh, he was born in Bethlehem because that's where they're from. But also, you know, this was what, what was prophesied. Years and years ago, the prophet Micah spoke out. And he wrote in this in Micah 5.2, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrath, <laughs> you... <laughs> Though you are little among thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. That's a prophecy about Jesus. That's why these things had to happen. Now, some of our Christmas cards kind of mess, with our, kind of mess up our theology. Some of the nativity scenes... And uh, I'm not just taking pot shots at your nativity scene. We have them too. And they're unscriptural. <laughs> Many of them. They just paint a picture of things that aren't historically accurate all the time and sometimes biblically accurate. You know, kind of like the, uh, you know, the magi who are sometimes called wise men. And uh, you know how there's always three? Scriptures never say there's three. People assume that because of the three identified gifts. Uh, and sometimes you got the shepherds there looking over the, the, the wooden manger and you got the, the magi standing there. And, and, and by the way, the, those magi, they were never there in Bethlehem. You know, they came to Nazareth. When you read the scripture closely, it's, it says they went to see a young child and he was, he was at least two years old by the time they got there. So I know that messes up the little setup and, and the car... <laughs> And you can use it, but just so you understand, if you read it closely, it's not exactly. In fact, uh, you know, for, for so long, my, my picture, the picture in my mind of where Jesus was born, I'm thinking like a wooden stable, you know, like, like we would have today. But when you go to that area now, even in the, the hills surrounding Bethlehem, there's hills full of caves, and you look back far enough to, to the early church writers, they all said Jesus was born in a cave. And it wasn't a highly wooded area. Even the carpentry work that they likely did wasn't wood carpentry. But we think that because we modernize it and do it according to the images we have in our mind. But these caves is where, where people would travel through like they were doing. And sometimes, you know, Bethlehem is a small, small town. And, you know, it says there's no room in the inn. That was often the upstairs room in someone's home. They were all filled. And so people would go into these caves that were warm and dry. And they had their animals uh, keeping them out of the weather. And people would sometimes stay there. And that's what they did. It wasn't the first choice, but it was the second choice. Better than being out in the open air. Okay. And, the, 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 you know, the, the manger where they laid him wouldn't have been a, like a wooden manger because actually you read church history and they, people were visiting this hundreds of years later. A wooden manger wouldn't have survived that long. 
It was actually stone. It's carved out in the, in the sides of these caves. And it was common for them to go in there and animals to be in there. So, you know, when we sing about silent night, holy night, I don't know how silent it was. <laughs> I mean, because there's people in there, there's other people, there's animals in there probably making some noise. Might not have been the most silent of all nights. Everybody okay? Yeah. Just trying to tell the story a little, uh, fill in a little, uh, few of the gaps. Um, in uh, Luke chapter 2, see verse 5, they went to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife who, wife, who was with child. So it was, while they were there, the days were complete for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And so Jesus was then born into a family of God's choosing. Uh, he could have sent him into a famous, wealthy family, but he chose people who valued the things of God. And both Joseph and Mary were those kind of people. They, you read further, Joseph was responsive to the dreams that God gave him. And the Lord gave him a dream later about getting out of town because Herod was after him to kill the babies. Joseph was like, we're out of here. He wasn't thinking about it. He wasn't getting all heady. He said, no, this is the Lord. We're obeying. Mary was that way. Be according to me. Be it unto me according to your word. And I tell you, our response to God, we can learn from, these are the ones that have the favor of God on them in extra portion. God uses them because they respond to him when he speaks. All right. And so uh, from, from the shepherds that came that first night, they were there that first night. Uh, to the, the Magi that came a couple years later. It's interesting to me how people across the spectrum, financial spectrum, uh, country of origin, remember the Magi were from the East? So they weren't, from lo they weren't local, they're from a totally different country. These Magi were powerful, wealthy kingmakers of their day. They traveled not with three dudes on camels, you know, but with a massive uh, army of people because they carried great wealth and great influence. And Her remember how Herod was so nervous when they, when they came? Uh, anyway, there's, a, there's, there's just a, a lot that was going on there. And, but all of these people, from the shepherds to the magi, they all bow their knee to the same King of kings and Lord of lords who was just young at this time. And it tells me, that there's something that would be true for every one of us across the board, no matter what our background or history or our present standard of living, is we all must come with something called humility. Everybody with me? Yeah. Humility. And even the wealthiest, most powerful people of their day, they rec the ones that recognized that this was the Savior being born, they came and worshipped Him. And the scriptures tell us, in Romans 14, other places, that there's coming a time where every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess to God. How many is every? <laughs> there's not a knee that's going to be excluded. Every knee will bow. And how many understand, I think we do, but the wise person will recognize that I will be 
best off if I will bow my knee voluntarily in humility and submission to God than to be forced to do it at, a, at some time later. But every knee will bow. Part of coming to God, like I said, is humility. And we all come the same way. Recognizing, acknowledging our lack and His supply. Recognizing, re- recognizing our sufficiency, our insufficiency, and His all-sufficiency. We come recognizing our inability and His omnipotence. If we'll come before the Lord this way, we'll see a response. I tell you, the, the person that says, well, my life's pretty good already, everything's fine. Well, you could have said that about the Magi. I mean, as far as natural life being fine, I think they had their act together in so many ways. They still recognized their need for a Savior. And if we'll humble ourselves in this same manner, we'll also have a response from God that nothing on this earth can match.